Hey, what's up, you guys? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk of the Quarantine Chronicles. I'm your host, Melinda, and we are joined finally by my co-host, Carmel, who's calling in. Who are you calling in? Where are you calling in from, Carmel? I'm calling in from Downey, California. I, I was going to say Downey, but I wasn't sure. Cause is, that your, is that where your mom lives? You're visiting yeah. her? Okay, that's what I thought. But you, where do you hold the residence? Orange County, Anaheim. I thought so. They're getting a little crazy Must out be there. nice. <laughs> and of course, we're joined yeah. by my husband. But y'all know that he was here because he's Because it's quarantined. a quarantine yes. chronicles. <laughs> it's a quarantine chronicles. Um, how have you been uh, dealing with your stay-at-home order, Carmel? So we didn't get to talk to you last week. Uh, what stay-at-home order? Oh, you're one of those, are you? <laughs> no, no, I've been fine. I mean, I've been here. I mean, that's probably the reason why I'm staying with my mom, just because, like, you know, I don't have family where I'm staying at, and so, like, if I want to pick somewhere to kind of be held up for a while, I decided I'll just chill with my mom and be around people that I know and, and love and help her out and everything. So it's been all right. It's been that's cool. good. You know, I actually know a lot of people, like, when it started to feel like it was going towards this, that we're going to be quarantined, I know a couple of people that, like, flew home to be with their family. They're like, if I'm going to be yeah. stuck somewhere, I don't want to be alone in my apartment in Los Angeles. So I think it's nice. And obviously it's nice to be here with John and our baby girl. She's strapped to my chest right now. Because the best piece nice. of advice that I got was from Carmel is to be loud when they're napping. So that they can speak on it. I'm telling oh, y'all. That's funny. Any of y'all having kids out there, don't be babying them. I know they're a baby. Don't and, do it. And tiptoeing. Well, the other day, though, I was kind of tiptoeing around here. And then today, I was like, when we were texting, I was like, wait, Carmel was like, no, be loud. And I was like, yeah, we should right. be. Because otherwise. You've got to crawl to the fridge to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and crawl, don't eat. But seriously, it's, it's tempting to want to be quiet when you have a kid and they're napping. But uh-huh. otherwise, that's the only thing that you can do if that's what they're used to. So thank you for that advice. I really sure. appreciate it. All right, let's let's get into a little bit of what's going on lately with um with COVID nineteen. Have you been watching the press conferences? Every time I turn them on, John leaves the room because he can't hear Trump speak. Like he literally leaves the room. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't blame him. It's hard for me to listen to any of them. Honestly, I, I, it's it's too much at this point. I've I've seen too many. I've heard too many. And like some of these press conferences, they know we're growing tired of hearing them talk, so they just put someone up random. The other day, it was a city. Right. LA City uh, press conference. They had a librarian up there. Well, well that's kind of cool. <laughs> Changing what it up a little. Say? Yeah. <laughs> or like, what, he... but what the hell does she know about infectious diseases? Was she, she talking about them? Song? She could have been reading about them. <laughs> Wait, this is interesting to me. What did what 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 did she say? Honestly, as soon as I read the title, she walked through the thing and it said "Director of Libra- Library Librarian Services." I'm like, I'm out. I didn't even listen. I didn't care. Why is the library? What does she need to say? I think, to be honest with you, I kind of heard from afar. She was just saying things like things you can do under quarantine, how the library is still available, oh. you know, online and stuff like that. I was like, okay, that's cool, but like, the library is available online. It's barely available in person. Well, a lot of people use a library don't have ready access to the internet. That's true. That's true. yeah. That's true. Okay, that's a, a so we should have called in should... and questioned her about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the the interesting things though, that I've been seeing in the last couple weeks that it came to no surprise to me was just that uh, COVID nineteen was hitting like a disproportionate amount of African Americans and it was affecting them and killing them. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think people don't realize the bigger issue with this that it actually comes down to the healthcare system and what is available to minorities. Yes. Yes. 
I mean, I look at it two ways. That the main thing is yes, it's it's not just COVID nineteen, but it's healthcare. Period. Mm-hmm. Like we're just not serviced. Like, and this is again, we, we talked about this on many other uh, podcasts before this. That where we are now in society in our country is not what people think we need to be. Like again, this has just been 50, 60 years we've been out of Jim Crow, but this right. is a direct result of that. The things that happened to us just 50, 60 years ago is why we're so disproportionately underserviced mm-hmm. in so many other uh, pieces of society, societal issues. We just don't get the same service, whether education or health or finances, banking, all that stuff. We don't have those things available. Right. So this issue has brought that up. I don't necessarily look at it as that COVID-19 is the issue. It's something larger than that, but that's just what we're using right now as a terminology. Why do you think that people, well, John, I'll ask you this, just mm-hmm. watching it happen. Why do you think that people are only now realizing this because of this pandemic rather than paying attention to it before? I mean, I think this is a wake up call to a lot of, uh, for a lot of reasons. There are people who might be like obese that, yeah, I'll get on track or something. But then you see that, oh, this is actually, this can actually bite you, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. If you have one of those like comorbidities, if there's something else that's underlying that you've been skating by and it's, it's been okay, right? But mm-hmm. you haven't really, you haven't had your hand be forced. Um, you're starting to see this and it's like, well, actually, if you had been healthy, um, you, you would have had a much better chance at, at you know, at taking this thing on. Um, so it's just, it's just bringing that stuff to light, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, it's interesting that you talk about the, like, you know, if you had been healthy thing, because as we do know, you know, African-Americans suffer more, they suffer from obesity, they suffer from heart disease, but then you also have to look at the systemic racism aspect of that. The fact that like a lot of, uh, African-American communities, they don't even have like grocery stores where they can get fresh vegetables right. and fruit, you know? So it, it, it's quick. I feel like it's quick to, it, it's easy for people to be like oh well you know african americans are healthy they eat this they eat that but you have to look at what's available to them yeah right Go and ahead. that's i think that's the biggest thing I've, I've gotten out of this and i've talked to some people about is that this is a an immunodeficiency issue mm-hmm. um people it, it doesn't i mean whether it's coronavirus whether it's any other disease that's out there uh, even going back to the hiv epidemic uh one of the reasons why black people are so adversely affected by that because we just naturally have um deficiencies with our immune system Mm -hmm. because of what we don't have readily available that other people do. Mm -hmm. So I think as John mentioned, yeah, if you were obese, if you had, if you were a smoker or whatever, and they're like, Oh shoot, I got to stop smoking. Not because of coronavirus, because you need to stop smoking, you know? So it's like, those are the things I think people are being made aware of. And that's kind of why I'm, been so passionate about people not just focusing on COVID, but focusing on their health. To me, that's the biggest issue. Do you think that there's, a skepticism about healthcare among minorities more so oh, a thousand than percent because well, i know like especially older generations you know like they just don't want to see a doctor they don't if trust them yeah. they don't trust them yeah no I we think... have a long history of being not just underserviced but literally like, done wrong like mistreated <laughs> right i mean things have been done to us whether here or abroad that are just atrocities and it's been propagated by our own health system so it's like it's it's not that's something we, we're making up. This has been done before. Absolutely. Um, so. Absolutely. I mean, even when, well, for me, it was always important to have a, a black female doctor for myself, for especially when we decided we were going to have kids and going to give birth uh. because of looking at the, um, the black female mortality rate when it comes to childbirth. And I had long conversations with my doctor, like flat out, I do not want to die in this hospital because of everything that I've read. So it, it really isn't just paranoia. 
it isn't us making it up. There really is just flat out racism in the healthcare system that has caused a lot of minorities death. And it's scary. It really, really is. I get the skepticism, but I also have to say, I think you can be skeptical, but still be cautious, you know? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's why I've always stressed like what makes the most logical sense. Right. And when it comes to disease and beating diseases, it's always been immunity. It's always been build your immune system to naturally fight off diseases. Since the dawn of time, disease pops up, we build immunity. Now, people die all the time because they don't have the immune system built up to to fight it. And that's kind of just, you know, natural selection to to not be, you know, so cold or morbid. (laughs) But that's just what happens. Right, right, right. But we naturally are in uh, communal situations, playing in the dirt, being on animals. We build immunity, and that allows us to get a little sick, and then we fight it off. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, I got chicken pox. And then I remember hearing, yeah, once you get chicken pox, you're, you're immune from it. I'm like, right. I didn't understand that as a kid. But now I understand as an adult, my immune system is not built to fight that off. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm always trying to stress to people. I don't. I can give you conspiracy theories. I can give you a bunch of, like, propaganda. Who cares? Build your immunity system, your immunity, and you don't have to worry about that stuff. So. Right, right. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, that's what happens with the flu. So I'm curious if that's what's going to happen with this. I mean, there's kind of speculation that... It has already happened, and we we've talked a little bit about with like that. a herd immunity. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, we're still just finding out all about this. I know that. Um, so Germany right now is the of the Western world is is on the forefront of this, which uh, planning to essentially test the entire country over the next year um, repeatedly for for antibodies to see how how much this is spread. There's also a, a study done out of Stanford for um, uh, the Bay Area when they initial estimates maybe that close to 50 to 85 times higher um the spread that what they were initially anticipating because this thing is can spread while folks are asymptomatic and don't realize they even had it so yeah that that's the question with this stuff and we see i mean honestly the way that this is probably going to go is a game of essentially whack-a-mole with this virus through through various um, waves mm-hmm. where, you know, a little bit more people get infected each successive wave until there is a vaccine. And because and, the thing is, we have no immunity that the world doesn't have an immunity right now. But you can you can you can either build up a natural immunity. Right. Um, or you can inoculate folks mm-hmm. um, by by just giving their immune systems the, the code um, to, to break that down and, and to fight it. Um, so I think this, that's probably going to end up being the case, which will be, you know, I don't know, 2021. Oh, I mean, it's not going to be this year. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, and that's kind of been the funny thing to me. That's kind of like weird. Like, I guess there was one lady they were talking about. She had coronavirus, whatever, beat it. And they were doing a study on her to get her antibodies to study them and possibly create a vaccine using her antibodies. So I'm thinking, Wait a minute. We're gonna take someone's antibodies out of them and then make something to inject into me. Why? Why not just build my own? Like I can have my own antibodies. Like why? I don't understand. Like how? Because we can trust science uh, honestly, over nature. You know? Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, it we see that this this virus is just affecting people different ways. Um, so it's just running the risk of like, look, you'll have I don't know for whatever reason. Let's just say that you are in an at-risk group um, for something you either know you have or something that you, you're not sure you have, where your chances of survival are, you know, I don't know, 80%, right? Versus, you know, 0%. 
by getting um, you know a, a shot with some just some code built into it essentially. Um, that's just that's how you you know throw people into things. How you get them to learn. They can either it's again it's um, I don't know. I mean the it's the it's a baby metaphor thing. Like could could our child um, you know forage her way to to survive by sheer instinct alone? I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. <laughs> if you set things close to her and you just kind of leave her there, like it's probably like her chances of survival aren't zero. Right. Um, or you could just, you know, bottle feed her until she, you know, can can do it herself. Um, that's just how that stuff goes. But I mean, honestly, this is just this is just a it's straight up science. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't we'll just we'll see how stuff goes. I'm actually more interested in seeing because what I what I when I mentioned like, hey, there are going to be successive waves of this stuff until they actually have. A vaccine that the question is how long do you let the economy suffer for this stuff and that's just a straight up value proposition of how much how do you what do you quantify as the value of a human life mm-hmm. because it's just a trade-off right yeah. if the thing is if if you're putting this stuff into a computer model you just see you know a, a human life is worth x dollars and we're standing to to lose x more dollars than that um there's that that's the that's the right-leaning argument of well what's the actual value proposition here well it's interesting that you bring that up because in carmel i don't know if you saw this i don't watch fox news but i am on twitter so i see clips unfortunately but dr oz was on fox news and he basically talked about that they you know reopening schools and reopening the economy there would really only be a two to three percent total mortality in terms of total mortality, a loss. And I'm curious what your thoughts on that because a lot of people went crazy and it was kind of a off-putting comment to make because you kind of are putting a cost on human life at that in that sense. I guess, yeah, it, it sounds bad with the way when you, when you say it like that. My thing is, what what made this different than, because like right as of now, I don't know people bring this, this, um, comparison and a lot of people don't like it but I'm, I'm gonna make the point using what you just said as of april 5th there's been thirty-seven thousand of eighty-five thousand deaths because of the flu right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so those people are dead right right why didn't we not take the time to figure out why they're dying versus we're taking to figure it out now so i know people will say well the coronavirus is a new strand there's a new strand of flu every year and I think Dr. Fauci even said this might be a seasonal thing, which is the same as the flu. So when so when Dr. Oz says, yeah, look, if we just go back to normal because there's going to be a 2-3% mortality, it's because we've seen that already. This is not new. We have seasonal diseases that kill fifty to 100,000 people every single year. So the, as you just mentioned, John, the value prop, so why are we shutting down the whole country now for this? Because we have things, we have precedent of things we didn't understand, didn't know. So we're going to lose those people anyway. So we're shutting down the whole economy. Yeah, I guess the the difference now is this is, it's the whole, there is no immunity for, for us right now. You know that, you know, again, you'll have, let's say 37,000 folks die from the flu every year. You can model that out. That's just, that's what you can expect. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what our um, healthcare system is relying upon. You have, you know, I don't know, let's say a million people a year who die from cancer and heart disease and everything else. That stuff's fine. I mean, it's not fine, right? You're never going to get that thing to zero because the cost to to beat cancer or something, you could probably do it. It's just yeah. going to be in the trillions of dollars. It would require right. such a collective effort. It's the the fact that this is cutting through everyone all at once. Where if you don't, if you're not adequately prepared, you you're going to not be able to save people from this that you would otherwise be able to save if you had enough 
um, ventilators and, and, and healthcare people. And the other thing is with healthcare folks, they're a good chunk of these people who are coming down and dying from that. Um, whereas they, they just probably wouldn't do that from the flu. You have someone who's, you know, like a, um, uh, the head of cardiology in the ER department who has 30 years of experience, uh, who just will die in a matter of days from this. Like that stuff, that's just lost. That's just a lost weight to society. Yeah. Um, where you just, you don't really have that with the flu. It's again, a lot of the stuff when you have, when you have, um, a, a, a virus that your body can't figure out the stuff that they end up doing for this stuff, like when for ventilators or, or dialysis machines, it's just taking the heavy load off of you while your body figures it out. But if we don't have those beds ready to take that load off of you while your body figures it out and you build that immunity, you just die. Like that's just how your body, you're just going to stop breathing and you die. Um, and that's, that's the whole thing of like when, like in Wuhan, assuming we can trust anything coming out of China, which, you know, it's a separate discussion. <laughs> right. Um, they initially had something like a 15% mortality rate. Yeah. That's crazy. Whereas outside of there was like 0.4%. So you're right. This honestly, if this is managed, it could look, and this, and we get a hold of like how many percentage there are asymptomatic. If there are tons of people who are asymptomatic and this stuff is really widespread, it could just be look like the flu. Yeah. In which case we can, we, and with that mortality rate, it's just, it'll be with us until we have a vaccine mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. we have effective treatments, but it's just the nature of everyone being exposed to this at once. And it just hits so many people that we just are, should otherwise be alive that they're just not alive. Right. Yeah. If that makes we sense. just weren't prepared for it. But go ahead, Carmel. What were you going to say? Yeah. So like, I, I guess, you know, yearly we have something like 4 million deaths for all respiratory diseases just mm -hmm. whatever it is emphysema pneumonia you know corona has been around before this year so whatever mm -hmm. whatever it is mm -hmm. four million deaths per year so has that number skyrocketed this year it hasn't and that the cdc as of april 4th march all pulmonary and uh respiratory diseases as COVID. So that makes these numbers kind of different. So I'm, for me, I'm trying to figure out what is their plan. If you're changing numbers, whether people are being diagnosed about it or not, they're just changing those numbers to COVID. Now, some people say, well, they want to make sure they're being tested for that. That's what they're looking out for. But then if you're misdiagnosing someone, you're not only skewing the numbers, you're actually affecting the way we treat people. So I don't, I don't agree with a blanket way of treating everyone because our DNA, our, our eating habits, everything is different. Like no one's going to react the same. So if we have this blanket vaccine or four or five different types of them that doesn't work for everybody how is that different than what we're doing now with other diseases so you know whether it's my skepticism about you know our government and our healthcare system or not i just look at what is the most effective way of treating it for me and not to be selfish but i'm looking at like if someone's immune system is already compromised what are, what are we doing why are we They're changing be the entire more. country you yeah. know what i'm saying we're changing the entire country's way of life for this one to two percent that already have affected elite compromised immune systems. Now that's unselfish. I think that's getting back to what you were saying about Dr. Ah saying there's a two to three percent mortality rate, but that's what we do with every single year. Like, why is this all of a sudden? So my thing is this: Why is this all of a sudden new? Where did, the, where did it come from? If someone says another thing about people eating bats, I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna start shooting people. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It didn't come from people eating bats. So. Where did this come from? What all of a sudden now we don't have an ability to, to fight this off? Did nature just say, oh, you know what? I got nothing else to do. I'm going to make up a new strand of coronavirus. 
Like that happens every year. The nature always has an effective way of adjusting, whether it's a predator changing to catch prey, the prey changes, vice versa. Rainforest, safari, everything changes in nature. So what did this change all of a sudden that we're not now able to deal with it? That's my thing. Like, why are we all of a sudden so shocked and to have this all of a sudden come out and we're not able to deal with it? I, I, honestly, the simplest answer is that at any given time, there are probably millions of novel viruses that just we don't come in contact with. They don't transmit to humans. Right. Every once in a while, you have something that pops up and does this. Um, but the you don't want to focus on, hey, what are the total numbers we have so far? Because in an exponential model, it's going to be, it's going to look really small until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, that's like when stuff all gets haywire. But the thing, I guess the, the issue is, this is all the value proposition, right? That we were talking about with Dr. Oz or like the one or 2% who are immunocompromised. But this can still, I guess the, this can still mow down otherwise healthy people if you don't have the capacity to deal with in the healthcare system. Like, yes, you, you will have something where, you know, like 2% of people die or, or maybe, maybe under that, but it will, that, that, that metric changes. Like you, 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 you will end up survive. You Carmel is, you know, let's say just a relatively healthy um, person who is under the age of 60, like you will survive assume but that might actually you might still have to be in the icu for a while in order to survive mm -hmm. right and so it it gets a lot less it gets more dicey if the if your actual recovery period isn't um you're not attended to in a way that we can we can monitor um so that, and that's another thing i've not really understood like 99 percent of the people i've heard who have who on tv or uh, through social media, whatever, have gotten or been diagnosed as having it, mm -hmm. are immediately quarantined. Stay home, stay in your yeah. room, don't come out. Right. So when do they go to the hospital? I, because they're they're told it, it depends where you're at, right in the in the country or the world. But by and large, your you're, symptoms you're, are manageable. Yeah. Basically. If you're basically if you are having trouble like drawing breaths in a way that like you're kind of gasping for air. Then it's like okay, let's go to the hospital, right? Um, that's a small a subset layer, yeah. of cases, and on it, I guess the in in the UK, for instance, like going to the actual ICU is a coin flip whether or not you survive or not. So like those are the people who have actually been intubated and they're like being carefully monitored in the ICU. Like once you're in that stage, it's it's really dicey. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of people, you're right, just won't have that. You just so, won't. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of where some of my conspiracy antennas shoot up. Because, like, why do we need hundreds of thousands of beds in each hospital if 99% of the people who are getting it were telling them to stay home? Because so many people get it. Right now, the stats, the stats are essentially, but the, the stats are essentially in New York City, one and under, one and 700, 700 people, or one and one in a thousand people in New York State have died from this. That's just when you just multiply something, you know, when you have. 12 million people you need a, a ton of beds to just see them through even though like again two percent of people may die other people need those beds to survive mm -hmm. otherwise that two percent turns into ten percent and then it keeps growing from right. there does that make sense yeah but that number is still very small that's not the hundreds of thousands of beds we need i mean per I mean, per some of these people we're talking about they're saying we need these astronomical numbers of, of resources and supplies and like I get it if you've been just inundated with people, but uh, I haven't seen that. So I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I guess you have people to stay home. 
why do you need 10,000 beds at this hospital? Because my mom actually lives on a, in an area of, of Downey that's a lot of medical centers right here. Mm-hmm. Chest is right behind the hospital, mm-hmm. um, uh, Presbyterian inner community. There's not many people here. And this is actually a very, this area has a lot of old folks homes, which my mom lives in. So I'm like, where are all these people going? I haven't, I haven't seen this inundation of people at these hospitals. I get when people are sick, you may need a few beds, but the four billion masks and four billion ventilators, these numbers are just, for me, that's why I get upset because I feel like a lot of this is fear-mongering and getting people like hyped up about something. I get we need to take care of people. I get we need to treat this differently than something else because it's a little different. But the, the overreaction to me just makes me think, what is this really about? Because this can't be. This is the numbers aren't bearing that out in terms of what the numbers you're saying you need. I mean, and you even, can. I get. I get your your thoughts about like mass hysteria. That happens in like almost every situation. If we can be honest, that's just like how human nature is. We tend to overreact about things. But you can't compare a city of Downey to like the city of New York. You know, like you. I I am always of the mindset. It's better to be overprepared and overly cautious than to not be prepared at all and have this be ten times worse than it is at the, at this point. You know. I mean, not, if you have I, no, I completely agree that. So I'm saying is, why do they have to make it news? Why do they need to go on the news and tell people what they need? They can do that without us knowing it. Why do I need to know you need all? Because when you keep telling people these things, people tend to react because you're saying, "Oh my God, we're inundated," and then. But how are they reacting? Have... I guess. Who who's they? People. You said when that you tell people question. that, when you tell people <laughs> no, that, saying, they get they I mean, react. Everyone. I mean. For me, I've been off Facebook and Instagram for, uh, for this entire time because it's just absolutely asinine the way people are acting and talking. And I can see you go on the street and see it. People are acting yeah. very like, don't want to touch you, don't want to talk to you, don't look at you. Like, I mean, that's not how you get this thing, so relax. But like a lot of that has become, uh, become because of what we're seeing on the media and the news. Like, and even speaking of New York, CBS News um, was outed for having posted yeah. a video of a hospital that wasn't in New York. It was in Italy. Mm-hmm. They were sh- showing people in Italy and it was really... Not, I mean, it wasn't New York, it was Italy. I'm like, how did that happen? That's I mean, not it was, a mistake. It was irresponsible of them, obviously. And I'm not right. saying that, I mean, that media isn't without fault. I mean, we know media messes up. We know media does um, tend to make things a little hyperbolic sometimes. But we wouldn't know anything that was going on if it weren't for the media. But I get your point. It's like, well, we don't need to do, like, make it. It's right. It's I mean, they're they're two competing. When I when we say media, I think we're by and large thinking of like a CNN or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's I think that the the tenant of if you are in a position where people listen to what you're you're saying, whether that you are the government or you're media or something, the the only the this isn't my quote. Is someone from the Obama administration? Uh, who essentially, uh, I think it was Volcker, he said um, uh, what you, your greatest asset in a time of crisis is your credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where, I mean, whether it's coming from, again, the government saying things that just aren't true or media saying, hey, look at this New York hospital, it's so dire and everything, it's in Italy. Um, that's the stuff that just undermines everything. And I, I, I totally get that kind of just, well, this just makes me not trust you, right? right? Um, I guess the 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 flip side of things is like when there are fear mongering the issue is like when you when you build out all of these you know hey we need this bed we need all these beds we need all this supply we need all this protective equipment and everything that is for the worst case scenario right if two percent of the entire country dies from this that's seven million people world war one we lost of this country half a million people that size and scale of that is something we have not seen in our lifetimes um, and if that is blown out around the, the world, and that's bigger than the that's bigger than other pandemics, 
Um, so that stuff is terrible. But the way you the way you don't need all those beds is if people stay home, right? Those those models are updated all the time, and you see the actual effects of people staying at home. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, you don't need those beds. And it's like, well, did we waste all this money and resources for that stuff? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like because it could have been bad, but it's not as bad. So what I'm saying is that fear mongering it sucks in the sense of you're you're distrusting things but if it actually gets people to stay home it's i don't, I don't know and that's the thing so i don't know if you, you you've seen a, a few uh states and specifically uh texas i think michigan um i'm trying to think there's some other states they're protesting about these stay-at-home orders and one like john said if they had stayed home we wouldn't need all of these beds because they are people are asymptomatic and they are exposing each other to this virus but i, I don't know if you saw this quote that i posted because i know you've been off of social media but uh oh, the white house economic advisor Stephen moore he was talking about these protesters they're literally protesting in front of hospitals protesting in front of government buildings he said that they were modern day rosa parks because they were protesting against injustice and loss of liberties I'm not going to totally disagree with that because really? I don't necessarily, yeah, because I don't necessarily agree staying home is the best method. Now, right. yeah, so when it comes to credibility, uh, Dr. Shiva Ayurada, I think I might be pronouncing his name wrong, um, he's a politician in, in Massachusetts. He's also a uh, biologist and scientist from MIT, PhD, all that good stuff. He has a completely opposite take on it. He actually has been a opponent of Dr. some of the things Dr. Fauci has said and completely disagrees with his his uh, way of handling this. And he says, well, a lot of it has to do with a political system and big pharma because he thinks the best way to beat it is through uh, immunity and immunity through community, being around other people. So that's what we've done our whole lives, get get in the dirt, play sun. And the sun is one of the biggest things the CDC, Johns Hopkins has said from the get-go is the sun neutralizes the disease. But now we're all told to stay in the house. So that to me, for a person who naturally is in the sun on a regular basis, now my immune system is being compromised because I'm not allowed to be around people. I'll be honest. I can walk in the backyard, you know, do that. But I'm, I can't work out like I used to. I can't do things I'm normally used to doing that's helped my immune system. So I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, how these people are going and protesting against it, I don't know if that's the best way to get what you want. But I think a lot of people are getting to the point like, look, I don't want to be in the house where one to two percent of this population why not do it the opposite if you have a compromised immune system on record if you have medical cases already open regarding your immune system why aren't you the people staying home because people are walking around who are asymptomatic and we have it we're not we're not hurting each other because we're all asymptomatic it's the people who walk out who are compromised it is the older people it is the people who already have emphysema and pneumonia whatever or maybe have lung cancer things that are already putting you in that situation or asthma whatever it might be why are we not having that two to three percent stay at home? Why are we flipping it? So I get what people are getting, especially Texas. You, you can't tell Texas anything. So That's I, I kind of understand it. So the thing is, there's people who have credibility who are against these methods, but they're not also in a place to speak on it like a Dr. Fauci or uh, some others. But you don't think it's irresponsible for these people to be going out and protesting and still going to the beaches and still having public gatherings when they don't really know where this virus lies or if they have it or if they have symptoms or anything like that? If the people who have compromised immune systems are out, how are they not irresponsible? But you don't think that, the, I mean, that that's like, honestly, like discrimination. If you already have this, stay home. But if you're completely no, 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 healthy. No, no, it's not discrimination. You can come outside if you want, but you might get sick and die. 
I mean, but that's on you. So the saying at home is to protect those people. I mean, for they started, they failed. This is why I will say they did fail by saying that this virus doesn't affect basically a, a specific age group, younger people that are healthy. And then you find out a lot of younger people that are healthy are getting it, and some people have even died from it. So to me, there's really no guidelines on where this, who this virus will attack, who it will affect, or how uh, people can bodies will react to it. Hence, why everybody just keep your ass at home. But see, to me, that's with any disease. The, yeah, young people can get a lot of things, and 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 ninety percent of them are fine afterwards. The small percentage that do have an issue typically already have underlying issues. Italy, except in China and all these other countries that kind of have been through the whole up and down curve, it was like ninety eight point seven percent of the people who died from it had one to three underlying issues. It's a very, very extremely rare chance where someone has nothing, gets the disease, and die and dies. It's, it's such a minuscule number that like, the people who are like, I don't have these issues. Like, why am I staying home? Like, I was at Polly's the other day. My mom wanted me to get pies at Polly's for Easter. I go in, and there's, you know, six feet, you know, a space between everybody. Everyone's got their mask on. And a lady walks in, and she's upset because she has issues, and she thinks we're five feet apart. Like, we're too close. I'm like, well, why are you here? You don't have to come to Polly's Pies. You don't have to go outside. You don't have to do anything. You can't come in here and get mad at us because we're all trying to get pies and we don't have your issue. But the way she got mad, she's making a, an open complaint about it. I'm like, that's like someone who um, wants tacos from In-N-Out. Like, they don't make tacos. Like, go go to Taco Bell. Like, I don't understand why people have this issue where we all need to, like, change because you have an issue. I get being, you know, compassionate. And, and <laughs> compassionate. No, I get yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. But we're shutting that. I mean, our economy is in a recession, almost of a depression now because of 0.5% of the people. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It does come down to how much you care about your neighbor. And, and me being the person I am, I think if me staying home, being the healthy person that I am, can save other people's lives, I'm willing to do it. I'm a homebody anyway, so I haven't really been that affected by this. I know people that are going through depression by being at home and being quarantined. But at the end of the day, if it does save people's lives, I think it's a very small sacrifice to make. But there's ways that we can also save people's lives that we're not talking about. Well, yeah, no one's talking what, about building up people's yeah. immune system. It's funny, there's people over here wearing masks going to Randy's Donuts. What? <laughs> You're wearing a mask, but you're going to eat food that's going to give you diabetes and heart heart failure. I don't, I don't get that. We're not Maybe kidding. that's all that they can afford. And also, have you had a Randy's donut? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I like me a donut. I ain't going to lie. But, but at the end of the day, that's, that's compromising your immune system. Right. People, people wearing a mask and, and then lifting up to take a smoke. Like it, The stuff doesn't make sense. There's other things we should be. If my, I do care about my neighbor. So for me, I'm going to give them every resource to help them get better. Right. It's we don't get better through avoidance. There's that's never ever worked. I, I don't. That's in every scenario we looked at, avoidance does not beat immunity. Natural immunity is always the best. Natural natural foods, natural um, causes, natural ways of be, beating diseases is always going to trump not being around something or taking uh, synthetics or whatever to do immunity, you don't know that's going to work. Because people get flu shots every year, and it's like, oh, it didn't, it didn't work. I still got the flu. Because right. you just build your immune system naturally. It's not about taking a shot. Like, build your immune system naturally. I can't remember the last time I've ever been sick. Because I don't, I don't even have that mentality. And that's another thing, is now people are starting to have mental issues from being in the house too long. So now we're causing more issues because we're saying right. you need and to that... take care of this small percentage of people. And I understand yeah. being compassionate, but we're affecting a lot more people now 
with something that we could deal with a whole different way. And that is a deeper issue, I think, also talking about the mental health aspect of this. I, I do see it affecting a lot of people, and I think, like I brought it up, and you just brought it up now, I do think it's something that we should talk about probably in another podcast. But John, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just it's two main things that I think we hit on earlier. One is the 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 absolute crush of the of our healthcare system d- dealing with these things all at once. In which case, you have the 05 percent uh, death rate turn into something that's much larger, um, which is a, a huge drain on society when you can't replace those jobs and those people. Um, it's it's one thing to be depressed because you're home for a couple of weeks. It's a, it's another thing to be depressed because your mom died. Um, and then uh, the the second thing was focusing on only the death rate, right? Um, 0.5% of people may, may die from this, but there are other people who, a lot of times when someone comes down with um, a really bad virus, you might have some secondary infection that will hobble you for the rest of your life. Uh, if, you, if you're unfortunate enough to get something like ARDS from this, um, you might not be able to walk up a full flight of stairs again. Um, in it, you know, with, without stopping to catch your breath. So there are some of these things that just like, you're going to bounce back and be great. Other times you're not, it's just, it's just how these things end up happening. Um, it is, that's a, that's a hidden cost. If you're only focusing on, um, you know, the, the death of this stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff is again, like you're building up your immunity. Yeah. You can, you can, you can do all of these different things to, to, you know, hopefully boost your immune system. Um, but in the meantime, while, while your immune system, part of that thing is building up your immune system is that hospital bed, right? It's buying your body, your immune system time to figure out that, that virus. Um, and then the last bit about flu shots, um, some of you know, they're, they're effective, I don't know, 30% of the time, something like that, 40, I don't know what, or even less. Um, but there, there are, you there's a there's something because again a, a, a vaccine for this stuff a, a flu shot for 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 this stuff um it's just a, it's just a, essentially a set of code to your immune system it's a map that's like hey this is how you figure this stuff out so and because flu strains just uh mutate every year you might have something that's like a, a partial immunity to something um where it's like hey your body isn't starting from scratch to fight off a flu it's 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 working on something that you got a while back yeah, and I, and I, I, understand, I understand how all that works. I guess, like, it's like we're picking different percentages of side effects or different percentages of possible death. It's like it's one or the other, you know? Like, even with the flu shot, I know it's a it's a small possibility that people get Guillain-Barre syndrome, which they can go completely paralyzed. Like, I, I've, I, my stepdad, she knows of an older gentleman he was in, I guess, service with who got that uh, from getting a flu shot. So it's like, when which which of the chances are we willing to take like if it's going to be this one or that one you know so there's all these op- possibilities out there that could hurt people kill people or whatever who's getting to say which one is right for me that's why i think a lot of these uh, states and people are rising up because like they want to be able to decide here's what i want for me i like i can understand this possibility i get that possibility i want to pick that one but we're now we're getting to a point where I feel like another civil liberty or civil rights can be taken from us because the way people are reacting. Whether it's big pharma, whether it's political agenda, whatever it might be, someone's going to decide, okay, now you need a vaccine before you can get a passport. You need a vaccine before you can come back to work. You need a vaccine before you go to school. What if I don't want that? And I don't have that opportunity to make that decision or choice because of this knee-jerk reaction to the possibility of these happening. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what what powers do we give the state to compel us to do things? It's like if you get drafted, if you get conscripted into a, a war you don't believe in, get, I don't have to do that. That's not no, actually you, you do have to do that, or you have to you know spend time in in prison. Some people don't want to file taxes and pay money into government services that they aren't using. That's fine, but like the the IRS will garnish your wages. There are certain things that you just or you know what I don't like. You know, if if I if I didn't like. Uh, someone in a protected category. I didn't like bl- gay people or black people or something like that. It's like, I actually can't discriminate against them because it's a protected category. But I want to do that. It's like, well, okay, that's fine if you want to do that. But like, there are certain laws out there that you just can't do it. Right. This is how that's, I mean, that's that's the issue of being born and being issued a social security number and having a being a citizen of a certain country. Well, we have a lot more to talk about when it comes to uh, COVID-19 because this isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, but we're glad that, Carmel, you were able to call in and talk since we can't be face-to-face. <laughs> uh, and we're glad you guys are listening. Uh, but for now, please do stay home and be safe. And we will talk to you guys next week. Y'all be good. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Need to Talk the Podcast and Twitter at underscore We Need to Talk underscore.